today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantar. We, on a daily basis almost, wake up forgetting who we are in Christ. And Paul's task is to reconvince us of who we are in Christ and how to live in light of that. It's like every morning we wake up in a Motel 6 in California with a few IDs and a few tennis rackets wondering who we are. And this is why this passage is in here, to help us who have gospel amnesia remember what God has done for us and who we are in Christ and to act like who we truly are. Open God, oh my soul, He is strong and He's strong to save. Open God, He's a rock and you're hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. The Apostle Paul's main mission in the book of Ephesians is to get across the idea that all believers need to remain diligent in keeping their identity in Christ. The moment you stop believing your identity is in Christ, your actions begin to show it. Paul will be exhorting the Ephesians to live a life of love and unity towards the rest of the body of Christ because they all share the same identity. In this text, Pastor Ricky will be teaching on some practical applications on how to truly love other believers. Let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 20, with part one of our message entitled, Love Towards Others in Christ. I want to begin by reading from a CNN article that starts like this. When police found the unconscious man in a Southern California Motel 6, the IDs on him said he was Michael Thomas Boatwright from Florida, But when the man awoke at Desert Regional Medical Center a few days later, he said he'd never heard of Boatwright. He didn't recall serving in the U.S. Navy or being born in Florida. When doctors told him he had five tennis rackets in his hotel room, he couldn't say why. When they showed him photos of himself with others, he didn't recognize them or himself, and he didn't speak a word of English. The man said his name was Johan Ek, and he said it in Swedish. I don't know if you saw this, but last year, this sort of captured the attention of national media for a while as everybody was trying to figure out what happened to this guy that had this whole life. He was married twice. He had children. He was in the Navy, and he didn't remember anything of his old life. He didn't remember where he lived, whether he owned a car. He did not remember anything. He couldn't even speak English. He had to bring in a translator to translate from Swedish. What He lived for a few years in Sweden in the 80s. Now, I read a follow-up article to that 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 talked about how he's slowly trying to readjust to life as himself. And he actually ended up returning to Sweden because he got in touch with somebody he knew from the 80s in Sweden. And she volunteered to basically find him a place to stay and help him learn to readjust to life. And there's this uh, article where he gets off the plane He sees this woman. He doesn't have any conscious memory of who she is, but he describes how he feels in his heart like a a warmth toward her and an affection toward her and a friendship for her, even though he doesn't know why. And so she says that basically she's she's got some friends that used to know him and they're going to work with him as long as it takes until he returns to himself. 
Now, I just, that, that story captured my imagination last year because I remember thinking, what would it be like to wake up? You now, you're on a business trip or something and to wake up with absolutely no memory of who you are, not to recognize even uh, to go to your own Facebook and scroll through the photos and not even know who those people are. Well, maybe on a different kind of wavelength, this is exactly what Paul is doing in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is all about identity, and it's all about who we are. The first half of the book is all about who we are in Christ, and the second half is how to live in Christ. But Paul has a really unique task in this church and and in our lives. He is like this woman who's trying to help uh, Michael Boatwright remember who he is and live that life. Paul is trying to help Christians remember who we are. We were, as Paul says, once enemies of God without hope and without God in the world, but God saved us. He sent Jesus to take our place so that if we believe in him, our identity would be remade. And we're now sons and daughters of God when we were once enemies. We are full of hope when we were without hope. We have full access to God and fellowship to God when we were cut off from God. And yet... We as Christians still struggle, which is what we talked about last week, about how when we came to Christ, when we met Christ, something decisive happened where we put off our old self and we put on our new self. But yet, Paul says, okay, now that that's happened, live in light of that. What Paul is trying to help us do is, it's like we, on a daily basis almost, wake up forgetting who we are in Christ. And Paul's task is to reconvince us of who we are in Christ and how to live in light of that. It's like every morning we wake up in a Motel 6 in California with a few IDs and a few tennis rackets wondering who we are. And this is why this passage is in here, to help us who have gospel amnesia remember what God has done for us and who we are in Christ and to act like who we truly are. So let's jump in, Ephesians chapter four, and we're gonna read a section of last week's passage so that we can kind of understand how this next section fits in. So we're gonna begin in chapter four, verse 20. Paul writes this, and this is God's word. But that referring to the old manner of life, is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him or literally heard him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, or in light of this, Having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. 
Well, this passage sort of seems, I don't know if it does to you, but it sort of seems to me all over the place. I remember, just like you, I'm going to read the passage every week, and I don't have like a pre-message. I don't have like a message already ready to go. I got to read the passage and think about, okay, what's, what's the sermon going to be this week? And I remember reading this passage and thinking, this is all over the place. This is like anger, don't be angry, and then also don't lie, and then also remember to forgive one another, and then also don't get angry, or at least don't let the sun go down on your anger, and, and remember not to slander people, and it just seems all over the place. Now, here's what happens, though, often when we read the Bible. Often when we read the Bible, we sort of cut little sections out of it, or even this is the way I read the Bible, you know, pick a passage every day and kind of work my way through a book, or you have a Bible reading plan or something, and you, you read them sort of in isolation of the book around them. But what we have to remember about verses in the Bible is that they're part of books in the Bible, right? And the book of Ephesians is all about this theme of our identity in Christ, and so when Paul uses this little word, therefore, what he's signaling is that the stuff he just said, and really to a larger extent, the stuff that he talked about for the first three chapters, in light of that stuff, do these things. So this is what I think Paul is doing. He's helping us apply being in Christ to the areas that he walks through. And these aren't the only areas that you walk out being in Christ, but they're just examples of how we kind of put off and put on as Christians. And so I'm going to go through the different areas, but for each area Paul addresses, he does, he, he gives us in general three things, okay? A put off, something that's in our old identity that we need to put away. Um, and, and we know as Christians that the power of sin has been broken over us so that we can actually put these things off. They have been put off. So Paul basically says, continue to put it off. So we we, we see something to put away. And then Paul says, renew your mind. You've been renewed in the spirit of your mind. And so th- there's usually a reason that he gives either in this specific passage or in Ephesians for why you are to do that. And then something to put on, okay? And it's so important to recognize that we're not trying to be good enough to be in Christ, And therefore, uh, it's almost like the put off and put on are first, and then we get the assurance of being in Christ. No, no, no. We we are grounded in our identity in Christ, and then out of that, we see what to put off and put on. And so we see at the end what we are supposed to live now uh, differently according to our new identity. So I'm going to start working through these, and, and I think you'll get the hang of the way Paul is thinking about this as we go. So first area. Speaking the truth in Christ. Verse 25 says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So, what's the put off? Well, the put off is pretty obvious, right? You guys tracking with me? What's the put off? Okay, falsehood, lies, whatever your translation says. Falsehood. So, don't say things that aren't true. Now, you think, okay, well, we're good to go. You might not think that this is a big deal, uh, that everybody, even as a kid, learns don't lie, don't tell lies, right? Uh, but unfortunately, falsehood is far more prevalent as a culture than we realize. Uh, there was a recent study that I read in the magazine Mental Floss that says that 60% of people cannot go 10 minutes without lying. And that of the people that do end up lying, like 40% of them tell multiple lies within the 10 minutes. 
So it's like once they tell one, they're just, now, these aren't huge lies. Like, have you killed somebody? They're more, they're more personal, you know, about, about yourself. Like, do most people consider you a, a, a friendly person? You get along well with people, and you think, yeah, no. But you're like, yeah, pretty much, you know. Like, th- this is what they're talking about. So think about, think about your work. Think about fudging the hours on your timesheet. Think about expensing things that you probably shouldn't expense. When your boss asks, well, what was this for? You, it was kind of for this, you know. You, you, you think about uh, somebody following up with you about a task. Well, why didn't X get done? And you say, well, it was, be, it was because, you know, you fill in the blank. In that moment, you have the opportunity to say, yeah, it was because of this. It's true. Or... If I just switch, you know, if I just massage that a little bit, I can sort of get something else that sounds better. Or think about home. Your wife asking, why were you late coming home? And maybe you weren't out, you know, uh, seeing another woman, but you uh, stopped by uh, Sports Academy for a few minutes. And she asked, where were you? And you say, oh, it was crazy. It was at the gas station and what had happened was I had to go in and then there was a line. And for some reason that feels better sometimes than just saying, yeah, I went to Sports Academy and wasted a half hour. So it could be small, but it could be big. It could be something you've hiding from your wife. Or if you're a, a kid, you know, a teenager still under your parents' authority to some extent, maybe it's talking to your parents about what, what you did online or what, what you were doing last night. Think about your interactions with the government, answering why you shouldn't have to go to jury duty or what you say when the cop pulls you over for speeding. Here's a big one for us in this age. Think about your internet self. A whopping 90% of people lie on their dating profile. This is, this is like a real thing. Many uh, massage their LinkedIn profile, their resume so what are we supposed to do here? Well, Paul says, I, I don't want excuses, but we should put off falsehood. And Paul actually says that there's another undercutting effect on the Christian community, that, that when we lie, especially in the church community, it begins to unravel our relationships and undermine our relationships with one another. And you might not think that that's a big deal or that we do that often, but think about this. How would you answer if somebody asks you, honestly, maybe a, maybe a, a, a decent friend, a good friend in the church asks, sees an interaction and says, hey man, how are things in your marriage? Are you guys really doing okay? Or maybe you asked your accountability group or your, the guys in your small group to ask you, hey, ask me what I've been looking at online. I, I want to put away this stuff that I've been looking at. And so when they ask you, how are you doing? What do you say? Now, it's important to realize I'm, I'm, not, I'm not advocating that we have to tell everybody everything all the time. I mean, there's, there's limits to who we talk to about what. And, and you can just say, hey, look, man, I, I don't feel comfortable talking about that, but I just ask for you to pray with me. Or, or yeah, th- there are limits to how much information we share and how wisely we share that. But that's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about outright falsehood that's being spoken. And so what does renewing your mind look like? Well, much of our lying is tied to our identity. 
One of the reasons we lie is to protect our identity, what people think about us. We want to control what's going to happen to us. We're afraid of something or we want something, so we lie. I think that's a lot behind a lot of what we say. We have a picture of ourselves that we need to maintain or we want an outcome that we want to get at and, and we lie in order to get there. But... Remember, Christian, what being in Christ says about you. It says, first of all, that you were an absolutely hopeless person. It it, it says that God knew all the worst parts of your life, all your secrets, all of your sins, but your fear of being naked and exposed, that happened to Christ on your behalf. Christ hung naked and exposed for you. So that in Christ you could be forgiven and loved and redeemed and have a security in your identity that can't be shaken by telling the truth. So here's the good news. Whatever you're afraid of, you don't have to be afraid of anymore. Whatever you're afraid of coming out, it can come out because your identity isn't in that thing. It's in Christ. So what's the put on then? Well, we are to speak the truth with one another. We are to be honest with everyone, especially those in our Christian community. We are one, friends, as a church community. And this means two things. That one, we don't have anything really to hide because all of us come to Christ admitting that we are hopeless sinners in need of a Savior. Nobody comes a little bit better off than another one. To get in the door of the Christian community, you have to admit I'm, I'm completely hopeless and I need Jesus. But second, we, we all as a church community are grounded in the fact that our identity is in Christ and that can't be taken away. So we should be honest and truthful just the way that your body is honest and truthful in order for it to function. It would not be any help if your hand just decided, I'm gonna start lying to my brain about how I'm really feeling. So the eyes looking down, is like, man, that doesn't look good. That gash, man, you're really bleeding hard from that. And the hand's sending up signals, I'm good. Like, you want a Band-Aid or something, bro? And he's like, no, we're good, man. And just blood's coming out. He, in the same way Paul is saying, you're one in Christ. And so it doesn't do any good. If, if one part of the body's hurting, it needs to be honest so that the rest of the body can help. And we want to be, because of Jesus, a place of gospel and a place of safety. That we can tell truth and not, not be judged in self-righteousness by one another, but, but loved and, and, and rallied around as a church. That's what Paul has in view here. That's why he encourages us to speak truth in Christ. But second, second area, anger in Christ. Anger in Christ. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So the put off here is sinful anger. And Now, this is an important distinction because there is both good and bad anger in the Bible. Jesus gets angry in that famous story where he goes in and cleans out the temple when the temple is being used for making money rather than worship, and and that's good. The Bible says that's a good thing, sometimes to be angry about things that you should be angry about, but often our anger is not as pure. You know, the other day I was driving with Tom and and somebody pulled out in front of me, and so I honked at them. I honked at them, and Tom said something like, you doing all right there, buddy? You know? And, and I then, 
over the course of about five minutes, explain my philosophy as to why my honking was not in anger. It was not a sinful anger. It was more of a, more of a righteous anger in which I, this is what I was trying to communicate with that honk, I told Tom. I'm trying to communicate to this person who obviously may be unaware of the danger they put this entire flow of traffic into. And by honking, I mean to say, hello, sir. I hope your day is going well, but that was very dangerous. And I'm going to encourage you not to do that again. Have a nice day. That's, that's what, so if I honk at you, just know that's what's in my heart. I just, I just want to love you well. I just want to serve society. Uh, and, and so I remember Tom kept kind of working on me. And by the time I you know, finished my time with Tom, I thought, yeah, that was probably anger. It's probably sinful anger. There's probably a little bit of like, hey, don't do that again. And there's probably like 90% of you jerk, you know? So this is the difficulty with anger. There is a good and righteous kind of anger. And if, in all seriousness, if I could honk in a way that was not sinful, but just kind of a light warning, hey, watch out there, buddy, that'd be fine, right? That wouldn't be necessarily bad. But if I'm, if I'm, it, as soon as the honk goes from ant eh, to ant, eh, you know, that, that somewhere in that line, we cross over into sinful anger, right? And think about this. Why do we get angry, okay? Because anger at its core is sort of an emotional response, and it's really what you do with that and what you allow to make you angry that matters. So James, the book of James says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it that you desire, but you don't have something? You're, you're craving something, you're after something, and sinful anger usually has its root in something we're not getting and either the object of what you're trying to get or the means you're trying to get it are sinful. So we're not be feeling respected by our kids, so we get angry. Or by an employee, so we get angry. We're not getting help at the DMV, so we get angry. Or really legitimately, we've been wronged and offended, so we crave revenge. We want to see them hurt. We want to see them humiliated. So anger says, I want this and we'll stop at nothing to get it. But the problem is when that desire becomes ungodly, our anger is ungodly, which is why we need to renew our minds. And here's what that looks like. Being in Christ gives hope to angry people. And the first way it gives hope is this. Anger is usually a public and obvious sin, isn't it? It's hard to hide that many times. And we can feel embarrassed. We can feel ashamed. We can feel like, man, I, I can't even come to the church community if I've been angry. But this is the good news of the gospel, friends. We are sinfully angry people who deserve a righteous anger from God. But Jesus bore God's righteous anger for us. So God looks at us in our anger. He, he doesn't have his wrath pointed at us because he had it pointed at Jesus. And he wants to love and help us. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. Hope in God, He's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
These verses from Ephesians speak to who we are in Jesus and how we became one of His. Pastor Ricky will be taking us through the book of Ephesians, seeking the answer to the question, Who am I? For more information, email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at betternewsradio.com. You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events on our website. We also encourage you to follow the Cross of Grace Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio.